thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. This morning, we're going to talk about our lesson is going to be entitled The Desert. And I looked at, because I'm always, I'm iffy about this one. I was looking at it. I was making sure I spelt desert right because I have a tendency to spell it dessert. Because look at me. That's where my heart and mind is, into the dessert. It's kind of like at fellowship meals. Everybody starts out with main courses. Where's Matthew going to go first? The desserts. For two reasons. Number one, no one's there yet. And number two, that's the best part. I've never understood why dessert plates are smaller than regular plates. I just... I don't get it. Sin's right there with me, aren't you? doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So, so we, we spelled it right, into the desert. And what we're going to talk about today is as we face challenges and temptations in our life, how do we, winning like Jesus, how do we win those moments, those battles, uh, when we face Satan, how do we win those like Jesus did? Because here's, here's the thing. We're all going to battle Satan. We're all going to battle temptations in our life. Okay, that, that is hands down, it's going to happen. So when those moments come, how do we win? How do we win? How do we overcome? And this passage teaches us a lot of things in, in that idea. Now, let me stop right there because I've got notes here that, I'm, uh, that I want to, to tell you something before I started preaching. And I'm just now looking at my notes. Number one, over the next two, three weeks, let's all wear name tags, okay? So Jonathan and Catherine know who we are. Because we have to learn two, three names. There's like, there's 170 of us between both services this morning. That's not fair odds. You know what I mean? So let's wear name tags. We'll have them at the entrances as you come in starting next week. Get you a name tag. And Elvis, Randy, starting next week, let your wife write your name on your name tag, Okay. So, uh, secondly, starting June the 6th, we're coming back for one service. Also, we're coming back to evening uh, times together. Our evening times are going to be a little bit different. Coming back, we're going to do some things in the fellowship hall, uh, which will engage us more into a Bible study environment, a more fellowship uh, kind of environment. Instead of trying to explain all of that this morning, right here before my sermon, I'll tell you this, there will be an article about it in the newsletter this Wednesday, and then next Sunday, I'll, I won't, I won't, Jonathan will, because I'm not going to be here next Sunday. Jonathan will talk more in depth about what's going on next week, uh, or, or starting on June the 6th. So it's, gonna, it's something we're excited about, something I think is going to be really good for us, so be thinking about that and praying about that. Now, let's get back to Jesus. All right, so as we're, as we're facing trials and challenges in our life, Let's understand that's going to happen. So how do we prepare for those moments? That's the first thing that I want you to think about. All right, as we talk about facing Satan in our life, the first thing we have to do is we have to be prepared. We have to be prepared. If I was um, going to run a race, I would not very, be very effective at a race right now. Let's say, but if I said, hey, a year from now, I'm going to run a marathon. Do you think I could do that? Think I could run a marathon a year from now? Alyssa's like, I don't know. I don't think he could. Okay. But if I'm going to run a marathon a year from now, what do I have to start doing today? Preparing. 
I have to start preparing. You can't answer the questions. You've already been here once. You know all the answers. I have to start preparing. I have to start getting ready for that. I have to train for that. I know that moment's coming. And since I know that moment's coming, I have to prepare myself for that. Another illustration of the way of thinking about it is, um, Sean, you're a great Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine, right? How many Marines are handed uh, a rifle the first day of boot camp and they go, hey, go shoot? None of them. That's not how the military works, right? Not one bit, because we would not be very effective if that was the plan. The plan is we're going to prepare you. We're going to train you. We're going to send you to boot camp. We're going to break you down and build you into what we need you. We're going to teach you the basics. Then we're going to send you to a more specialized school to train you specifically for what we need you to do when the attack comes. We want you to be prepared. As Christians, that same idea has to be part of our life. If you knew or know that Satan's coming, doesn't it just make sense that you're going to prepare for that? Absolutely. But I think we kind of, we get lax. We get, you know, we have moments where we're challenged and then moments where we're not challenged. And in those moments where we're not challenged, sometimes we get lax in our Christian faith and we really don't prepare for that challenging moment. And then when that moment comes, it's completely overwhelming. But look at what Jesus does. This is verse two. We'll come back to verse one in a minute. After 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. When you read this verse, I think a lot of us key in on the word hungry. He was hungry. Why was he hungry? What had he done or had not done for 40 days? What's that word? After what? Fasting. What is fasting? At its simplest core to us, fasting is not eating. There's a medical fasting where you're going to have a procedure done, so you need to fast for a few days or for 24 hours or for 12 hours, however it might be. But fasting on a spiritual plane is something completely different. You see, we are all about Bible study. Bible study is easy, okay? Reading your Bible is not hard. We don't do it enough, but reading your Bible is not difficult, is it? Praying is not difficult, although it's something we probably don't do enough, but those things, they don't they don't require a whole lot. But you see, what fasting requires for us in our life is it requires us to be vulnerable. It requires us to be vulnerable. It requires us to, to lose our strength, to lose our control. Uh, we get hungry. How many of you, when you get hungry, you get grouchy? How many of you? A few of you? Okay. How many of you are raising your hand for someone else? They're like, Ron. Ron's got like a big flashing light over here, like it's her. Okay, you know, it's, it's and, and so you don't like that feeling. People around you don't like that feeling, so they want you to eat. But you see, fasting, as you look through Scripture from cover to cover of this book, fasting is taught and fasting is seen. It's being done by disciples of God, by followers of Jesus, by Jesus himself. He's teaching it, okay? So why is it from, from a, a, a group of believers that put a lot of stock in book, chapter, verse, and doing what the Bible says and teaching what the Bible teaches, why do we not fast? It's there, isn't it? It's something Jesus talks about where Jesus' followers I think at its core, it's because we don't like to not be in control. And the whole point of fasting is letting go of control and leaning into God. 
and trusting God and allowing his will and his desires and his wants to really become your desires, your wills, and your wants. We don't like that feeling of being vulnerable. You see through scripture, fasting is talked about in a couple of ways. It's talked about strengthening your prayers, okay? Maybe you're trying to push through something in your life and your normal prayer life's not working. You add fasting to that and it helps it push your prayer to a more powerful level. It's talked about in the idea of seeking God's guidance. I, I, I'm fixed, I know that, that I need help with this. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what God wants, so I'm going to fast so that I can become clearer focused on what God's will is. It comes from the idea of seeking deliverance from God, protection, and in Matthew chapter 4 in particular, he knows I'm fixing to face Satan, so what am I going to do? I'm going to strengthen myself by emptying myself so that God can fill me up. I'm going to tear myself down so that God can rebuild me into what I need to be. Then interestingly enough, what's the first thing Satan comes after him with? Food. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more here in a minute. But one of the things I think we can do to better prepare ourselves is to practice the idea of fasting. And another thing that I think is important for us to understand is, is we, need, we need to make sure we've got on the right clothes. We've got to make sure we've got on the right clothes, okay? If I'm going to go run a marathon, is this what I'm going to wear? No. Y'all, I paid $10 for these shoes from Walmart, and they're comfortable for about 10 minutes, okay? 10 minutes. And, and, and like, you put them on, and you're like, oh, man, these are real comfortable. And then, like, it's, they're not. And I put them on this morning mainly because I didn't want to spend the time to find my other shoes. Um, if I'm going to go into battle with you, Sean, you going to take me like this or are you going to leave me at somewhere? He's like, I'm not even going to look at him. I'm not going to take him. Okay. Paul says you prepare yourself by putting on the right clothes. Ephesians talks about that. And those right clothes are what? What is it? What kind of clothes are they? They're armor. He starts and he says, therefore, put on the what? Put on some of it. Put on a piece of it, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after having done everything to stand, let's stop right there. He says, does he say put it on before you stand your ground, before that moment comes, or during, or before? He says, you go ahead and put it on, so when that moment comes, you're prepared Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But here's what we do. We, we struggle with this. We don't put our armor on enough. We just kind of carry it around with us and when we see something coming, we're trying, we like start to try to throw all this armor on, and we're like, okay, so there's a new movie coming out in June, and it's called The Black Widow. It's one of these Marvel movies, all right? And so there's two characters through Marvel, and, and that uh, they're introducing one, but one we're all familiar with, Captain America. Captain America looks great in his Captain America outfit, doesn't he? Well, in, in Captain Marvel, they're introducing this character from the comics called um, the Russian Agent. And he's kind of Russia's version of um, 
Captain America, but he's not been the Russian agent for a long time. And he decides to get back into the action and he goes back into his closet and pulls out his outfit from when he looked like Captain America and now he looks more like Matthew and he puts it on. It's like, I'm ready. Let's go fight. And a lot of times that's how we feel in our armor because we're not used to it. We don't keep it on. We don't stay in practice. We're not prepared. Satan's coming. You know it, so prepare for it. So when he does come, you're not overwhelmed, you're not caught off guard, and you'll be ready to stand firm. All right, let's keep going. Here's the second thing. Be prepared, and if you're prepared, you're not going to be what? Surprise. Let's go to this next verse. This is verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Why did Jesus go into the wilderness? Why? What does it say? To be what? Jesus wasn't going on vacation. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew what was going to happen. He knew when he stepped into the desert, at the end of this time, Satan's coming. He was not surprised by that. But sometimes we have this mindset of Satan, and I want to show it to you maybe in a, in a unique way. Let's show the video clip. How many of you ever feel like Zazu in that, that clip? Sin. Sin answers all my questions. I love it. It's like he's a teacher. He's used to asking questions, expecting answers. A lot of times we have this idea about Satan that he's just kind of sulking around and we don't know when he's going to pounce. But the reason we feel like Zazu is not because we don't know he's there. It's because we're not, what's the first idea? We're not prepared. But Peter tells us something interesting. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a quiet line. What does it say? A roaring lion looking for something to devour. Go to the next clip. What kind of lion? A roaring lion. Can a roaring lion sneak up on you? Can he? Can a roaring lion sneak up on you? If you hear a roaring lion sneaking up on you, what are you going to do? Run. I'm going I'm, I'm to get away. But sometimes we give Satan a lot more credit than he deserves. We're going to talk about this too, but I want you to know that Satan doesn't sneak up on you and surprise you, okay? Satan doesn't catch you off guard unless... You choose to be off guard. And that's usually who he's going to try to go after, those of us who are not ready or prepared. But we can be prepared for his temptations. Now, that leads us to this next thought. Along with not being surprised, also understand Satan's methods. Also understand Satan's methods. So sometimes I think we have this misconception of Satan because I believe we've taught it this way, and I don't believe that this is a biblical way of teaching Satan, but that he is kind of supernatural, kind of like God, all right? That he has these supernatural abilities and these, 
you know, things like God. He's not God, all right? He's not omnipotent. He's not everlasting. He, 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 but he's, he's, he's God-esque in a spiritual sense. All right, and so we look at him and we go, man, he's so hard to overcome. There's no way that, I mean, he can come up on me with some of these great spiritual struggles and battles that he's crafted just for me that are just almost, you know, there's, there's no way I can overcome them. But I don't believe that's what Scripture teaches about Satan at all. Not at all. As a matter of fact, James, as he's talking about trials and temptations, he says, your temptations and sins in your life, they don't come from Satan. They come from within you. Satan just looks at you and go, oh, that's what you struggle with? I'm going to attack that. That's what you're thinking about. That's what you're lusting about. That's what you're struggling with. I'm going to attack that and see if I can't magnify that in your life a little bit. But it doesn't come from Satan himself. It comes from within inside you. So the more grounded you are in the word of God, the less Satan has to work with. The more spiritual you are in nature, the more you lean into the Holy Spirit, the less of a foothold that Satan has to get a hold of you in your life. The second thing I want you to think about comes from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He says, no temptation has seized you except, this is my favorite, what is common to man. He calls our temptation common or human-esque. It's not supernatural. It's not something that Satan has looked at and goes, okay, here's Judd. I'm going to, I'm growing up, big Power Ranger guy. Any other big Power Ranger guys in here? That's willing to admit it. Okay, we've got one. Okay, and the rest of you are just not going to admit it. Okay, because I know some of you still have tubs of toys of Power Rangers at your mom's house, okay? I'm not going to say who, but I know some of you do. So um, what they would do, what these, they, would, they would craft these specialized bad guys to fight the Power Rangers. And it never worked out, but sometimes I feel we think that's what Satan does. He looks at Judd and he goes, I'm going to craft this perfect temptation to put right in front of Judd and throw it down there. Satan doesn't have that kind of power over you. Satan doesn't have that kind of methods. Satan has, I guess you could call it a shotgun approach. Let's just throw it up there and see what sticks. And maybe I grab a hold of that, of that thing that he's struggling with, and I can amplify that. But don't give Satan more credit than he deserves. Don't give him more credit than he deserves whatsoever. As you think about this particular idea, I want you to read with me these temptations of Jesus. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, if you were the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Go to 5 and 6, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you were the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, starting in verse 8, and showed him all the kingdoms and the splendors of their world. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. I want you to notice something about these verses. Satan couldn't make Jesus do anything. Nothing. It was all, hey, think about this, and you make the decision. The temptations were all based upon, what it was all about Jesus. Okay? It was all about Jesus. He had total control. 
And if he chose not to give in, Satan couldn't make him. Satan can't make you do anything. You can defeat Satan when he comes after you. How does Jesus do it? Jesus does it by relying on the word of God. Every time that Satan comes after him, he responds with, it is written, it is written, it is written. This goes back to being prepared. Being in the word of God, putting on the armor of God. You know, uh, you've got to be ready for those moments, grounded in the word of God, grounded in strength and through prayer. Have that armor on so that when it happens, you can withstand him. You can withstand him. All right, let's talk about one more thing. God will always provide rest. God will always provide rest. The very end of this story is like this. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Sometimes going through challenges and temptations can be lonely. You know why I think they can be lonely? Especially temptations, okay? Let's not just talk about general life challenges. Let's talk about temptations. The reason temptations sometimes feel lonely in those moments trying to fight them is because Satan loves to find you and come after you when you're alone. Where was David before he slept with Bathsheba? He was on his rooftop with a group of people. He was a what? He was alone. Saul, while he was king, he was gonna, there was a sacrifice that had to be made before he goes to battle. And he's supposed to wait on Samuel to get there, right? And he was alone and decided, I'm going to go ahead and do this. He was by himself. Satan's great at grabbing you when you're by yourself. But you see, God's always there. Your brothers and sisters were always there. I, the, the story around this verse is interesting, but I want you to understand the concept. He, he's talking about, in Isaiah here, he's talking about kind of the transfer of God's people. He's talking about the challenge of, of, of the Israelites not being God's people anymore, the pain of that which gives birth to the church and God's new people. But he says, do I bring you to the moment of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord? Do I close or do I close up the wound when I bring delivery, says your God? And this is what he's trying to get them to understand. The dying off of God's people, the transition from, from the Israelites to the, to the church being the people of God is a painful one for some. But he says, as this greatness, this great kingdom is born out of my people, he says, in your hurt, in your pain, in your suffering, God says, I'm going to be there. I'm not going to leave you alone. When you're facing temptation and you're right there in the face of the roaring lion, understand you're not by yourself. Number one, God is there with you. And secondly, as a church, we've got to be there as well. When we start to see a brother or a sister kind of start to, to back away, start to distance themselves, start to isolate themselves a little bit, that's when we gotta reach out and grab them and say, come back. Because when you're out there by yourself, you've got a big bullseye on your back, a big target painted, and, and Satan's gonna come after you. But when you're in the safety of the family, when we've all got our armor on together, and we're standing side by side, he doesn't have a chance. God's always gonna be there with you and for you. He's gonna nurture you. I love all the stories throughout the Old Testament, through the prophet, through the study of, of, of prophets, 
of how often they were kind of by themselves and God comes and refreshes them and, and, and restores them after their ministry. So understand you're never alone. You know, we're gonna have moments in our life where we go through the desert. It is going to happen. Some of you are there right now. Some of you are there right now. And maybe this helps remind you and give you strength. If you're not there, reach out to the ones who are. Strengthen them. Be God's arms. Be his shoulder to cry on. Be, be his forgiveness and love. All right? And also prepare yourself for your moment because your moment's coming. Let's try our best to win these moments like Jesus. Let's go to God in prayer and then we'll close out. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the time together. Thank you for uh, this day of newness, for this new day of the week, for this new week, for a starting of our new ministries. Uh, together, God, we thank you for Jesus and the new life that comes from him and through him, God. God, we're just so gracious to be in your presence. We're humbled. God, just, just bless us as a church family. Help us to look to you to be strengthened by you, to find shelter in you, God. We thank you so much for Jesus and his sacrifice, his death that gives us true hope, that gives us mercy and grace and forgiveness, God. And for those that are struggling, for those in the desert today, God, help bring them through, help give them strength, help them lean on us, help them lean on you. For the rest of us, God, help us to prepare for that moment, to not be surprised when that moment comes, but, but to know that Satan's gonna come after us and he's gonna try to pull us down, help us to lock arms with our brothers and sisters around us so that we can stand firm. Thank you for this powerful story. Help us to allow the Spirit to convict us with it and draw us closer to you. This is your son's name we pray, amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.